If you have a Bible, turn with me to Psalm 127, or you can follow along in the Pew Bible, or the words are also printed in the bulletin. Psalm 127, we're making our way through the Psalms of Ascent. We are uh, this morning in Psalm 127. This is God's Word. A Song of Ascents of Solomon. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who, labor in, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the, the womb of reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that it is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. We thank, thank you that it we not only read it, but it reads us when Holy Spirit helps us to understand it. So we pray that you would add your blessing to the reading and preaching of it today. We commit ourselves to you. We ask for your help in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, we all know the feeling, anxiety, stress, worry up to our eyeballs. And uh, it, it kind of presents itself in different ways with each of us. Sometimes we're distracted, unable to focus, kind of have that thousand-yard stare. People ask you questions, and then you say, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, what would you say? Or maybe you have that pit in your stomach. Uh, even the small things take extra effort and extra energy and work. Your schedule is beyond full. Maybe you're like me when you're stressed you become short and grumpy with others. Maybe you lie awake at night and you uh, have arguments with people in your head or you play that one conversation over and over and over. Work is crazy right now. The schedule is so full. And what about those rotten boards on the house and the check engine light is on again in my car? What about the future and my family and my finances? How will we pay for college? And wait, is that a new mole? Is that a mole? Is there something weird about this mole? What are we going to do? We can't stop thinking about it. We carry it around with us everywhere. Does God even care? Does my faith in Jesus Christ have anything to do with the way I live and how I feel? Brothers and sisters, Psalm 127 is a gift to us from God to help answer the question, what do we do with our anxiety? And it's a reminder that God cares about us and He lovingly speaks into our lives. This is yet another song for pilgrims that are simultaneously weary and hopeful, simultaneously afraid and full of thanks, simultaneously struggling with anxiety and admitting how desperately and deeply we need God. Doesn't that describe all of us this morning on some level at some way? Lord, we believe, help our unbelief. Help us to sing our song to you, God, through the ups and downs of life, through the storm and in the sunshine, 
And the question is, what do we do with our anxiety? We bring it to the Lord. We share it with one another. And I want to say a few things before we dive into the details of this text. You can say these are the, uh, the fine print or the qualifiers or the parameters for our study this morning. First of all, the purpose of this sermon, the purpose of this text is not to put more guilt on you. Oh no, great. Pastor's preaching about anxiety. I struggle with anxiety. I'm just a terrible person. That is not the purpose and the point of this sermon. It's also not a magic pill or solution. If you follow these simple steps, by the end of this week, you'll have no anxiety in your life. That is not what I am suggesting from Psalm 127. There's also the third qualifier is that there is wisdom in getting help. Maybe from your doctor. Maybe from a counselor. There are some people that wrestle with clinical depression. With things that, that are deeper than the normal struggles that we face. And there is no shame in getting help from others. My wife and I have been to marriage counseling before. I've been to personal counseling. That It's, it's not a sign of weakness. It's an expression of, I need help in this and this is our lifelong endeavor to learn how to cast our cares upon the lord and lean on others and to enjoy and embrace what it means that god gives us peace that surpasses all understanding to embrace the peace of god and to learn how to trust god when life presses in on us. So what does Psalm 127 show us? The first thing I want us to think about is this, that we can't cure our anxiety. And you may be thinking, well, that's great, preacher. Thanks. I'll head to the house now. Thanks for the encouragement. But uh, here are some principles and reminders. First, life can be a rat race. I alluded to it in the, in the introduction, but there are times, and there will be times when you just don't know how you will fit it all into each day. You run here, you go there, you do this. The workload is overwhelming. The list is too long. And again, I say this not to burden you, but to remind you that God knows what you are going through. God knows. He remembers our frame. He knows that we are dust. And God doesn't just know in theory or as our Creator. The Lord Jesus Christ experienced the stresses of life in flesh and blood. He literally walked in our shoes. And He knows the tension of opposition. He knows what it means to be hated by people, rejected, mocked, scorned. He walked through an absolutely traumatic death, a public death. He was tempted in every way as we are yet without sin. Jesus Christ is our sympathetic high priest. So you think about the question, what do we do with our anxiety? We begin by acknowledging that life can be a rat race and God knows about it. The second thing that we see from Psalm 127 is that we want it to count. We want our lives and our work and the impact of our lives to count. We want them to make a difference. And so as we begin looking at Psalm 127, there are two phrases that, uh, that stand out. Work and vanity. Let's think about them for a moment. We were made to work. 
Work is built into the fabric of life. It has been from the beginning. You remember Adam named the animals. He and Eve were called to work to fill the earth and subdue it. Work is an expression of our intelligence and ingenuity, creativity, diligence, collaboration. Work reflects the image of God in us. God worked and he's called us to work as well. But, so you have that idea of work, but you also have this theme or the idea of vanity from Psalm 127. And you know the word vanity means empty, meaningless, unprofitable. This is one of our fears, right? That, that our lives won't count, that there'll be an exercise in futility like Sisyphus from Greek mythology that we are uh, destined to push a rock up a hill and then let it fall down and push it up again for the rest of our lives and exercise in futility. We don't want to be disqualified. We don't want to be sidelined. And notice the beginning of Psalm 127. Who wrote it? This is a psalm of Solomon. And when you hear the word vanity, you hear echoes of Ecclesiastes, don't you? Many scholars believe that Solomon also wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. Now, what's the message of Ecclesiastes? If you haven't read it recently, the message is loud and clear. Life without God is vanity of vanity, chasing after the wind. Solomon highlights some of the things that we believe might bring us satisfaction. He essentially says in the book of Ecclesiastes, look, I've, I've been there, I've done the research, I've tried it. Money, learning, power, possessions, pleasure can never ultimately make you happy. They were never, you'll never be satisfied. So Psalm 127 takes up that theme we don't want to build a house in vain. We don't want to watch the city as a, as a watchman and lo and behold, the enemy infiltrates our defenses. This is one of the reasons that we struggle with worry. What if my plans, what if my efforts, what if my endeavors fall flat and fail? So many times our anxiety is connected with the fear of disappointment and regret and failure. We want it to count. So what do we do? We try to fix it. There's a great comedy sketch in like 08, 09 after the, uh, the economy went backwards. And uh, it, was, it was this sketch, you know, a reporter asking somebody on the street, what do you think we should do about the, uh, the current economic crisis? And the guy's all stressed out and he says, fix it. Somebody needs to fix it that's the way we feel about our anxiety right we just want somebody to fix it we want it to go away we just want it gone and psalm 127 verse 2 highlights some of the wrong ways that we try to deal with our anxiety that what way the wrong ways that we try to deal and fix our worry first i've got this i've got this we try to cure our anxiety by what? Rising up early and staying up late. 
by burning the candle on both ends, labor, work, we run ourselves ragged. We think that if we never stop, if the engine is always running, that we can make a dent in all the stuff that we think we have to fulfill and that we have to accomplish in our lives. But what happens? The nights might get longer. The mornings might come earlier. But the list is still there. And the anxieties are still there. And this is a pathway and a glide path toward burnout. And all of our anxiety and the frenetic pace and the activity and the low-grade guilt cannot cure the worry in our lives. Some of us need to hear this, and I say it in love, but you can never do enough to take away the anxiety in your life. So one way we try to deal with it, a wrong way, is say, I got this, it's under control, I'll just work harder, I'll do more. The other is also seen in verse 2. It's vain that you rise up early and go late to rest. Secondly, eating the bread of anxious toil. One of the wrong ways we try to deal with the worry and fear in our lives is by internalizing everything. We eat the bread of anxious toil. And this is such a vivid picture. We consume, we feed upon the worry and anxiety in our lives. We feed on anxious toil. And and you know what this looks like. You've experienced it before. When we do this, when we just feed on it and feed on it and more and more we can become we can become frozen and hardened and eaten up with all sorts of things so we lie awake at night and we obsess over things all day and we turn those conversations over and over in our heads we think i didn't do enough or i could do more or it's all my fault or it's all their fault and the more we think about it what happens the worse it gets And what this can end up with is resentment and bitterness and outrage that can destroy us from the inside out. Eating the bread of anxious toil hurts us. It hardens us. One of the first things we need to do as we think about Psalm 127 and our anxiety is we need to remember that only Jesus Christ And His Gospel can heal and help us with our anxiety. Augustine said it like this, When our strength is from you, it is strength. When it's from ourselves, it's weakness. We turn to you, O Lord, that our weary souls may rise to you. Second thing I think that Psalm 127 teaches us is that the gospel of Jesus Christ is God's answer for our anxiety. And you may be thinking to yourself, okay, Josh, I agree with you, but where do you get that from this text? Look at the end of verse 2. It says this simple phrase, He gives to His beloved sleep. God grants to His beloved children sleep, the ones that He loves. But the idea here in the original goes deeper than sleep and rest, it it has to do with contentment. It has to do with peace. And one of the core realities of Christianity is God's covenant 
promise-filled relationship with God. And this promise finds its fulfillment, its culmination in Jesus Christ, whose perfect life and sacrificial death and victorious resurrection and glorious ascension for sinners like us is God's ultimate answer for the anxiety in our life. You know this, that the gospel of Jesus Christ is not just what we need to enter into God's kingdom. It is the fuel and the foundation of our life of faith. We never get over the promises of God and the gospel and coming to terms with God's great love for us and forgiveness and radical acceptance and everlasting plan, living out of our union with Jesus Christ is what enables us to have peace and joy and contentment and rest in our lives. How do we do that? How do we experience this peace that God promises, this rest from the gospel? Well, we remember that our sins are forgiven. If you're accepted by God, not based on what you've done, but based on what He has done for us in the cross, that gives us perspective on our fears and our anxieties. If Jesus Christ has been crucified, buried, risen, ascended, if He is interceding for us, if God saves our souls, we can trust Him with our lives. It's a reminder that God... Jesus Christ is ruling and reigning now. That's one of the ways that God answers our anxiety is is to remember that Jesus Christ is ruling and reigning now, that He is a sovereign Lord of heaven and earth. And then if you're a Christian, you are united to Him by faith. My life is hidden with God in Christ. Living with the Gospel means that we can have fellowship with God, Christ, in His sufferings and in the power of His resurrection. It's part of God's answer to our anxiety. And remember these words. We read them several times this morning. Don't be afraid. This is one of the most repeated phrases in the entire Bible. Do not fear. And it's not a harsh, angry command, and I'll give you something to cry about. That's not what this is. This is an invitation. It's more like a child who's had a bad dream and a parent comes in the middle of the night and says, it's okay, mommy's here, daddy's here. And we can be encouraged with the presence of God in our lives, that Jesus Christ is Emmanuel, God with us. He said in John 14, let, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. He told Peter, James, and John, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching men. In this world, you will face tribulation. Take heart. Be of good courage. I have overcome the world. Christ is our pledge. Christ is the promise. And what is the message that Christ's life demonstrates to us? For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that in order that through Him the world 
might be saved. Brothers and sisters, the gospel of Jesus Christ is God's solution. It's God's answer to our anxiety. And we need to lean on Him and rest in Him. And knowing Christ and living by the Spirit can give us incredible freedom. Think about some of the ways that we can have freedom in Jesus Christ. We cannot be controlled by what others think about us. Why? Because we've been accepted by the Lord of heaven and earth. It gives us the freedom to work hard, not because it all depends on us, but because we can trust that the Lord is building His house. I talked to a friend this week who said, when I get to heaven, I want to carry a huge bag of good works to God. Not because I have to earn it or show Him, this is why you should let me into heaven, because I want to say thank you to Him. Knowing Christ and living by the Spirit can give us the freedom to try things, to succeed without it going to our heads, and to fail without it crushing our souls. It can help us not to worry about the future, not to think that we have to make all the right decisions and that life is some chess match, and if we get one move wrong, then our five and ten year plan will be shot and our future is ruined. Knowing Jesus gives us the freedom to work and to rest and to live in Him with joy and contentment and trust and repentance and asking Him for help along the way. I love this story from Martin Luther. One of his friends, after, after the, the Reformation kind of got rolling, a friend came to him and essentially said something like this, Martin, your opponents have all the power They have all the money. They have all the resources. What are you going to do? He said, I'm going to preach and teach and pray and sleep. And I'm going to watch God do all the work. Dear ones, isn't that true in our lives Isn't it true with our church and our ministry to others? God is at work. What about us? What about this? What about that? If Christ has rescued us and purchased our redemption, then talk to people and love people and pray for people and welcome people into your home and serve and give and live generously and then trust and sleep and watch God work. What does this psalm remind us? It reminds us of a couple things that we are tempted to neglect when we're anxious. You know when you're anxious and you're all uptight and worried about things, there are certain things that are quick to go. There are three things in particular from this text. Two are explicit, one is implied. One of the first things that tends to go when we're really anxious is rest. Rest is at the heart of Psalm 127. When anxiety and worry and fear creep in, rest is one of the first things to go. We say in our culture, you know what? I'll sleep when I'm dead. But resting, you ever thought about this? Resting is one of the ways that we can follow God's lead in creation and redemption. God rested on the seventh day, not because He was tired or exhausted. He rested on the seventh day as a pattern for us to show us that I want you to rest. 
What was part of the nightmare of Egyptian slavery that we're going to begin to look at in this fall when we go through Exodus? Part of the nightmare of Egyptian slavery, more work, no rest. Jesus redirected people to the heart and purpose of Sabbath rest, that He's the Lord of the, of the Sabbath, that it's not about a bunch of rules, but it's about letting go of our anxieties and resting in the Lord of the universe, that He is a gracious Savior, not a cruel taskmaster. You ever thought about this, that, that resting, resting in a restless world is... It's a protest. It is a stake in the ground. I will not be defined by how much I do. I will not be defined by how much I make. God is my treasure, my exceedingly great reward. That means that we can rest. So when you're struggling with anxiety, don't jettison rest first thing. Don't forget about it. The second thing that we're tempted to neglect is worship. The Psalms are God's hymn book. Psalms of Ascent are about worship. Psalm 127 reminds us, we are reminded, we are made, we are meant to worship God. It's part of God's prescription for our anxiety. It helps retune and recalibrate our hearts and our minds to heavenly realities. What happens when we're anxious when we're fearful, when we're worried, we're tempted to say, I can't go to church. I can't be with those people. I know I shouldn't be worried, so I can't go there. I've got too much shame. You know what that's like? It's like saying, I'm too sick, I can't go to the hospital. When we're anxious, we're tempted to say, I can't worship, I don't want to worship. Maybe it's the last place we want to be, but it's the first place we need to be. We're also tempted to neglect and forget about our family. Psalm 127 is interesting because in the middle of a, of a psalm about anxiety and laboring in vain, there's this change. And Solomon talks about family. How do you make the jump from work and building and labor and guarding the city to children, a heritage from the Lord like arrows in the hand of a warrior? Think about it. When life presses in, when anxiety is heavy, what is one of the greatest temptations that we have? To neglect and to slight and forget our family. Maybe it means working too much. Maybe it means checking out when you get home or um, glued to your computer or your phone when you could be wrestling with toddlers or talking to your daughter or listening to your son or connecting with your spouse. Part of God's antidote to our anxiety is a reminder of the blessing and the heritage and the gift of family. And this takes work, but it's absolutely worth it. There may be some moms here that are in survival mode, who have a big dilemma every day. 
Do I take a nap or take a shower? I know there are dads who carry the resentment that their children have toward them day in and day out. Ask the Lord for grace and vision to believe His promise in the trenches of parenting. And kids, you're not exempt from this encouragement and command. You're not excluded. It can be easy to write off your parents, to put in your earbuds and to roll your eyes and to shut them out. That's part of God's solution to our anxiety. He wants us to lean into our family life. Even though our families are inconsistent and they are dysfunctional, when life gets stressful, we're tempted to shut out those that are closest. Remind, remember this beautiful reminder from Psalm 127. Family is precious. Children are a heritage and inheritance from the Lord. You ever thought, or maybe you've talked to your siblings, I wonder what our inheritance is going to look like. I wonder what mom and dad are going to give to us. Parents, your your inheritance, your heritage is your children. They are a precious gift for us and to you. They are not an annoyance. They're not something to get in the way of what you really want. They are the blessing. They're like arrows in the quiver. I think about Legolas from the Lord of the Rings. You know, he never ran out of arrows. I don't know how. Uh, but uh, there's like so much blessing that God gives through the family. I love this song. Uh, it's by Sandra McCracken and Kristen Getty. It's called Pass the Promise. And uh, part of the, 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 the chorus is this. Pass the promise to our sons and daughters, God Most High, God our Father, we bear witness. Think about the blessing and the joy and the privilege it is to pass along the greatness of the gospel and God's eternal promises in Jesus Christ. Children, family, don't neglect them. Don't uh, jettison them. Don't push them out. But embrace the heritage, the blessing. And it puts our anxiety in perspective. Very few people have said at the end of their lives, you know what, I wish I spent more time at the office. They say, I wish I spent more time with my wife and my kids and my brothers and my sisters. As we close Psalm 127, I want to highlight one powerful reality to give us ultimate perspective on our anxiety. Some of us have uh, great parents. Some of us not so great parents. As a parent, if you are a parent, you, you carry around your, uh, your struggles and your shortcomings. Here's a precious reminder. We are part of the family of God. If you're a Christian this morning, you are 
a child of God. We are the children of God. Christ is our elder brother. God is our Father. We are in this together. Behold what manner of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God and that is what we are. You're not going to want to believe it. You're going to think that there's no way it could be true. That is what we are. For God did not... For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, as daughters, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. To all who received Him, who believe in His name, He has given the right to be called, what? The children of God. Brothers and sisters, God is our perfect Heavenly Father. He provides for us and cares for us and guides us and loves us. And He's patient with us as a father is compassionate toward his children so the lord is compassionate to those who fear him he gives us hope he gives us a future so if you're here this morning and you're anxious and overwhelmed the first question is is god your father is the lord building your life is the lord watching over your life Are you resting in Jesus Christ alone for redemption and salvation? Because if you're relying on anything else or anyone else or on yourself, there is no security. It's vanity. Come to God in faith in Jesus Christ and He will receive you as a child. And if God is your Father, and I trust that He is, if Christ is your elder brother, keep coming back to Him with your fears daily. Remember the Lord's Prayer? Give us this day our daily bread. God, help us to cast our cares upon You day by day because You care for us. He loves us. He takes care of us. And He will carry us home. Let's pray. Father, we thank You again for Your Word. We thank You that You speak into the struggles that we have in our lives. We pray that we would bring to You our fears. pray in Jesus' name, amen.